Hello, and welcome back to Inside the Park from Babson Park. On the 18th episode of my sports business podcast, I was joined by former Babson ace and current Northeastern pitcher, Jordy Allard. Jordy was a Division III first-team All-American this past season, and he knows and loves pitching as much as anyone I've ever met. He gave some great answers about his transfer process from Southern New Hampshire to Babson and advice to students switching schools. He told me what makes a great leader and how he likes to act on and off the field, as well as his mentality on the mound and what makes him successful. Without further ado, here's the conversation with Jordy. Today I am joined by Jordy Allard. Jordy, you spent three years at Babson. You pitched to a 2.91 ERA during your years at Babson, 15-1 record. Uh, in your senior year, you went 7-0 with a .91 ERA. You were selected as a Division Three Baseball All-American first teamer, and you are now a future Northeast, Northeastern Huskies pitcher. So I'm very excited to have the chance to talk to you about your time on the field, your time off the field, moving school to school, and just kind of pick your brain a little. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. I love talking baseball, so I'm excited. Yeah, no, I, I know that. So um, I've seen you prepare to pitch in the off offseason. Um, I've seen your pitching plan as far as that goes. I've seen you prepare before games. Where did this routine come from, and how important is this for you uh, as a pitcher who wants to be an ace? Yeah, so I think, you know, when when I talk about, like, my routine or talk about things that I do, I think it honestly all stems from, like, playing high school baseball and then everything I've learned from um, my college routine. So, like, when I was a freshman, my routine looked a lot different than it does now. Um, so every year, you know, I've added some things or taken some things away just depending on how I feel that year or things that I learned. So, you know, my high school years as a pitcher, I, I didn't really have a routine. I did bands before the game, but there was no routine. You know, I, I had a fastball only, so I came in and just threw strikes. Then in college, you know, everything kind of hit. I went to Southern New Hampshire University my freshman year, um, and everything kind of hit me in the face, like how much you had to think about on the mound. And I was just speeding everything up, and the game sped up on me. Um, so I didn't really have a great routine there either. And then sophomore year, transferred to Babson routine started to form um i sort of had a pre pre-game routine because i was becoming a starter and i was learning what it what it meant to be consistent and be a, a good college pitcher still struggled on consistency my sophomore year and then my junior year was the year i really you know looked into a routine and really got you know my pre like my whole week was set to be ready to pitch on whatever day it was, Saturday or Sunday. Um, and then I think my senior year was where I finally locked down a good routine and just stayed at that every day of the week. And it wasn't just – one of the things I learned along the way was the routine wasn't just um, on the field. It was off the field, like what I'm eating, uh, how I'm stretching, how I'm lifting, you know, because if you randomly just throw a leg lift in the day before you start, it's probably not going to go pretty pretty good. It'll probably, you know, your legs might be tired or something's going to be thrown off. So just making sure that everything outside of baseball was in sync and um, specific for that day, that was getting me ready to throw on the Saturdays. So that's, that's kind of how my routine changed. And um, it... it it 
changed for the better, changed for the worse throughout my college career, but that's my senior year. And now this year, um, I'm hoping to continue adding on things that will help me stay consistent and be ready to pitch, whether it be bullpen or start. So you mentioned that you transferred to Babson from Southern New Hampshire. Um, first, I want you to touch on your time at Southern New Hampshire and what made Babson appealing to you as a transfer student for someone who is at a school and they like, they, they like it, but there are some things that maybe they're looking for in a different program. What stood out to you about Babson, and what is your advice to transfer students and athletes to be successful during this process, during this transfer process? Sure. Um, so my time at Southern New Hampshire – I really enjoyed the baseball side of it. Uh, it was very um, organized. It was, it was you know, for the players to develop. The pitchers um, did their own thing, and it was very individualized on what you needed. So I loved it. Um, Baseball-wise, the thing that kind of lacked for me was the, you know, chemistry of, of a team, maybe a smaller college. Uh, Southern New Hampshire is a big transfer college, so kids are coming out every year. Um, coming in every year so every year you might have 20 guys you you know on the team and then the next year you might have five guys you know on the team Um, a lot of people come in and out of that program and it's a great program but I kind of wanted something that was a little bit more stable through the years and also one of the things that I didn't really look at coming out of high school were the academics and um, Babson or sorry Southern New Hampshire was was fine but it wasn't very challenging to me it was more of an athletic school so halfway through my freshman semester I started to think you know what happens if baseball doesn't work out I want to kind of have a backup plan so I began looking for schools around New England closer to home with competitive baseball to be able to you know accomplish my goals athletically and academically and set myself up um, in both you know chapters chapters of my life I guess I could say um well so yeah for the for for transfer students that are maybe looking to go from a d2 or d1 to a d3 or even if you're say before you transfer maybe you're in high school and you're looking for a school you know you don't need to be a d1 d2 athlete um if it doesn't fit for you you know look at a school that's going to fit you so do you want a big school do you want a small school if you like a small school D1 might not be, you know, the way to go for you if you want a smaller community and you want people who you're going to know and see around campus and know everyone. Definitely, you know, maybe look at that smaller school. And But there's not – that doesn't mean you can't find a small school that has good baseball. Um, you can find whatever you want. So if you want to study business, you want to study economics or something, whatever you might want to study, you know, find a school that fits you and then maybe – start to look at the athletics because if you choose school just for athletics and just for your sport, whenever that ends or, you know, if you're not doing well in that sport, you might feel a little bit stuck and you might feel like, you know, did I make the right decision? So that that's kind of the advice I have for, for transfer students. And um, secondly, I guess in my transfer process, I was looking at um, D1 and D3 schools and I was I was talking to Fairfield University and uh, Babson, and I was scared that I was not going to be a D1 athlete. Like, I was scared that I was going to pass up my opportunity, and I was never going to be able to say that I was a D1 athlete. Um, But even if I wasn't able to go to Northeastern this year, 
um, going to Babson still would have been, you know, the best choice of my life. The the community at Babson, the friends I made, the the team, the academics were, you know, I, I can't compare it to anything. Um, it was definitely, you know, one of the best decisions of my life. Um, definitely glad I made the choice to transfer. And um, if you're a little bit, you know, scared of making a big decision, making a big change, it's okay to to feel that way because I I I did for a while for the first month at Babson I was like not in a good place, not very happy. But um, if you think that, that school is gonna make a good fit for you, even if it's a lower division or um, not a huge school, you know, go ahead and make that make that transfer and make the choices you got to make. Yeah, I think that's, that's great advice, especially because a lot of the times you'll see students and athletes get distracted by the label of a Division One athlete. Uh, so it's good to hear that you could overlook that that label of being a Division One athlete and pick what's best for you. I think that that's important not to be chasing that label, rather chasing the situation that's best for you. So I think I think that that's great advice, um, and it kind of leads me into my, your time at Babson. So from Southern New Hampshire. Um, over to Wellesley, Massachusetts, you took the mound for Babson, and you pitched very, very well throughout all your time at Babson. You pitched in the College World Series, and unfortunately, you missed a bunch of starts due to the pandemic, but you, when you were on the mound, you were so, so successful. So off the field, and when it wasn't your day to pitch, how important was leadership for you? And you served as a leader for this Babson team the past season. What kind of leadership style do you have, and how important to you is it to be a good leader? Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, so, yeah, I think being, you know, whether you're a freshman or a, or a grad student like me, I think that you can find different ways to lead. Uh, obviously, yeah, it's going to be harder when you're a freshman. Nobody – knows your name, you haven't proven anything, that, that doesn't really matter. Um, leading on the field is, you know, you just play as hard as you can and um, pick up your teammates. I think off the field is actually where probably the the success is is earned. And, you know, off the field, everything you do off the field will show eventually on the field. Um, so it's the choices that you make literally on a day-to-day basis are you going to go to class at 8 a.m on a rainy day are you going to eat trim like the trim burgers or are you going to eat a good salad and maybe chicken breast or something good to eat um then going to are you going to go to your you know you're going to study for your midterm you're going to are you going to watch TV and play video games and and not do those things. So, like all those things, then amount to success on the field. And I know sometimes it might be hard to see how that even correlates. But anything that you do, that's going to correlate to the mound. So if you're taking it easy and giving fifty percent on academics and just the choices you make, that's going to go into success. Um, on the mound and on the field. So yeah, I think that that, that's a, another really great answer that you mentioned, just the little things such as your diet. I mean, if you are 
a senior or you're a junior or you're a sophomore, people notice that. Your teammates notice that. And it pushes them to be better. It's, and it's not always just being loud and being into the spaces, which I'm sure you did at times. But, I mean, that's just right. I'm actually, answer. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I actually forgot to touch on that, too. So, because you asked me about leadership style, and I didn't really add on that. But you don't need to be that guy that's, let's go, come on, like, be better. Like, that actually, some of that is, is kind of hurting, and it doesn't really help people lead or people follow you and it doesn't help you be a leader maybe it, it seems like that because you're very vocal and you know you're the one that's that's yelling the most but in in my you know experiences the best way to lead right is you know somebody has a bad outing you don't you don't say let's go be better you need to be better obviously they're trying to be better they're not trying to fail out there nobody wants to fail it sucks to fail right but when you when you take that guy, that freshman, that sophomore off to the side, and you hit him, man. Like, have some confidence. You're all good. Like, we all we all get hit around. That happens to the best of us, right? So there's nothing you can do about it now. Let's start working on things that didn't go right in that start or that at bat or that play, and let's let's figure out what went wrong. Let's find a way to get it a little bit better. Let's work on that. But it, it was one play and. You know that's how you that's how you get out of the that slump, right? So then, the young, younger underclassmen or yeah, uh, those younger players start to you know feel confident and start to feel feel better, right? They're they're not down on themselves. They're not saying they suck. They're understanding that they they can get better and that they're going to work on it and that you know everyone struggles and it's not just them. So I think that takes a little bit load off their shoulders and that's how you can be a leader. Um, and then also you can just do it by, um, by action, right? If you're, if you're dogging it on a sprint or a lift, everyone sees that and they think that it's okay to take a day off and, and take some time off and maybe not go as hard on conditioning or stretching or whatever. But if you're doing everything 100%, the younger guys see that. They look up to the upperclassmen to see how things should be done and that can help create a culture in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now I want to get into a little bit more of the baseball, talking baseball. We we got to talk about your preparation before the baseball game. We talked about the transfer from Babson to NHU for those things. And I want to get onto the field because you were super successful as a pitcher and are going to be this coming spring. So I want to know what makes you really successful on the mound? Is it a certain pitch? Is it a mindset? When you're on the mound, what would you attribute to your success as a pitcher? Um, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I, I, well, I usually, like, if somebody asks me, like, how are you, how are you, like, doing well? Um, a lot of the time, so maybe a two-part answer, but I think of, like, again, Everybody sees, right? Everyone saw the results from from last year, and um, you know they're all like, "Oh, wow, this guy had a good year!" Like he's always been good. He's always he's always had it. He's always been in good shape. He's always um, had that good fastball. And some of that's true. You know, I've always known how to throw strikes, and I've always um, been able to throw pretty hard. But like a lot of the work that I did and a lot of the results came from the COVID pandemic when we, when we didn't have practice, when 
you know, we didn't have to lift, right? Those were just things that on a daily basis I saw that time in COVID as a big, you know, opportunity to get better every day because we had nothing going on. We were taking online classes. We didn't have practice. So those were big times that I could lift and get conditioning in. And that was really um, instrumental in my success last year. So that's kind of the first part is everything off the field obviously translates into on the field. But, yeah, while pitching on the field, the biggest things for me why I'm successful is throw strikes. Um, you know, throw – I don't have – the best curveball in the world. I don't have the best slider in the world, but when you throw everything for, for strikes, it's hard to hit. Like, if you watch the guys take BP off the machine, D1 athletes, I watch BP, the, they're not hitting every ball for a line driver home run. Some of these are pop-ups, ground balls, foul balls. It's hard to hit a 90, you know, 88, 80, even 85-mile-an-hour fastball as hard as you can. It's hard, especially when, you know, you have – guys with three pitches you're thinking of other pitches it's hard to square up a baseball so throwing strikes and attacking the hitters makes them uncomfortable and and when I'm you know in the zone they know I'm going to throw it there so they're they got to hit it if it's out of the zone they can maybe take a break they're 2-0 then they can expect the fastball but if I'm bringing it bringing it bringing it for strikes they're on their toes and I'm in I'm in attack mode I'm in command not them um, so throwing strikes and then just you know, having confidence that you're – you, everything in baseball, you got nine fielders behind you. Even if they smoke a baseball, it could go to a fielder. So baseball is designed for pitchers to succeed, right? If, you, if they fail, they're going to fail seven out of ten times if they're disgusting. I know that's like a cliche thing. But um, so, yeah, everything is in your hands to, to be successful, and all you got to do is go out there, throw strikes, attack. Um, and then, yeah, I guess – one of the the biggest pitch that I, you know, learned was the splitter, and I that's it's similar to a changeup. So if somebody else doesn't have a splitter, they got to change. Like that pitch, getting that pitch down is huge. Um, change speeds down in the zone creates ground balls, um, and then you know get gets those outs before you throw three pitches. You could throw one splitter, get he could be expecting fastball, get a ground ball. There's one pitch, one out. So that's effective, and that's. That's easy for to get out of the inning or to keep your pitch count down. Sorry. Um, and then other successful things is just, you know, I try. I've been trying to slow the game down even more. I know at the D1 level, guys are going to be stealing bags off me more. I got to be quicker to the plate. Um, I got to know pick signs, but I need to slow everything down. I need to just take a breath and repeat and have confidence in myself and know that even at this level, I can get guys out. Um, and then I think the biggest thing also is dealing with failure. Yes, I'd like to say I'm never going to give up a hit this year, but I, I'm thinking that that's probably not going to happen. I'd assume that I'm going to get up, give up at least a couple hits this season. Um, so when I do let up those hits, say it's a double and it scores a run, am I going to freak out, get mad, you know, kind of pout on the mound, or am I going to just say, yeah, happened, nothing I can do. Let's get this guy out of the inning. They scored one run. Not that big a deal. My my hitters are going to get it back for me. So uh, handling failure. And sometimes, you know, maybe I get shelled that day. Um, the next time I come out, i got to pretend like I'm Max Scherzer. Like there can't be, oh, well, what happened last time? No, that that happens. That happens. You let up five, five runs, one inning, it happens. Go, go get them the next start. 
So um, consistency, attacking the hitter, and then handling failure, I think, are, are big things. There's a lot of other little things and big things, but I think right now, thinking about it, those are the three things that come to my mind. Yeah, no, that's uh, three very important things. And my favorite one was just attacking the strike zone. Um, I know as a hitter, there's nothing better than being in a hitter's count. Uh, yep. There's nothing worse than being 0-2 against a guy like yourself who can strike you out with a fastball and then two other pitches. So I think for you, if I were to answer that question on your behalf, your ability to throw strikes is what makes you, what separates you. Because yep. the, you're always you're always in attack mode. The, you're always on the hitter. The hitter can never get super comfortable with the way that you pitch. And I think that, that yep. I think that that's huge. So it's a great yep. answer. Um, now I want to ask you another question. So you touched on your pitches a little bit, but now I'm going to make you touch on one pitch. And yep, you can have one pitch from your arsenal, and you can add one pitch from your teammates' arsenal during your time at Babson. What's your two pitch mix? So I can keep one pitch, so like I could keep my splitter. You, you have one pitch from yourself, and you take okay. one pitch from a pitcher during any of your years at Babson. Yeah, I I take my splitter. I keep my splitter, and I would probably take. trying to think i would probably take maybe jack terrio's curveball or actually maybe maybe tim sorry tim person's curveball um tim person has a hammer or nick Mm -hmm. nick weissenanger and tim person both have unreal curveball so probably question i've seen you pitch be in the rotation with some guys who have some gross some gross pitches so my my prediction was going to be you keep your splitter, and I was honestly thinking you take Leak's fastball, but you, Dude, you like your fastball. I, I was actually thinking the same thing as you. I was like, wait a sec. I was like, I'm going to take Leak's fastball in my head, and I was like, wait a second. I can't say that. Like, yeah. I got to take my fastball. Yeah. No, he's going to want to keep his fastball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll keep my fastball. If it was somebody through 90, like, if it was somebody through 98 or 100, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take their fastball. Um, but I'm okay with my my fastball. I like to spin on it. Um, but yeah, I because the one thing I kind of lacked was a 12 to six curveball. Um, so that's something that I guess I would have liked to see in my arsenal. Um, so yeah, the the Tim Person curveball or uh, the Nick Weissmanger curveball. But um, yeah, those those are probably the that would probably be the pitch that I would add on my basketball yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and then I have uh, my next question. You almost touched on it when you were talking about you like to spin on your fastball, but I was going to ask you if you've had the opportunity either at Northeastern or outside of your time at Northeastern to pitch at all using any technology, any of the pitch design technology that is in baseball these days. Have you had the opportunity to use any of that? So at Northeastern, we have Rapsodo. Um, okay. Again, I was I was shut down this fall. Other than two bullpen, uh, sorry, four bullpens and one live. Um, the four bullpens we used Rapsodo for two of them, so I was able to see the spin on my stuff. And again, I'm new to that, so I didn't really understand what a lot of the stuff meant. I knew what the spin meant. I knew what the velocity was. 
Uh, I didn't know much about the the V brake, the vertical brake or horizontal brake. Um, like the auto but, gyro degrees and all that. Right, but the thing that I did take um, from that was my pitching coach. We were throwing my curveball and my slider, and he was like, "Hey, the number on this, you know, the spin on this curveball and the break and stuff is not as good as this, you know, spin spin on the slider." And the slider was a new pitch. I didn't throw that at all at Babson, but I I tried to develop it with Henry Leak over the summer, um, and it actually became a better, more consistent pitch in the zone for me. So we took away my curveball, and now our fastball change-ups, uh, sorry, fastball splitter slider, thanks to that technology, to that technology. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my experience that I've had with technology to to this day. Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, even that alone right there, that pitch mix is now – like you said, thanks to technology. So that's that's a, that's cool. I like that. But um, yep. I want to ask you one more question about Northeastern. Uh, yep. And then I'm gonna let you go. But I before I ask, I'm I appreciate you coming on, and I know you like to uh, talk baseball. So I've been anticipating getting the chance to talk to you, ask you some questions, and see what you're up to. Uh, so thanks for coming and talking with me. And then the last question I have for you is, so you're on to Division One baseball, as you mentioned. That's something that you had thought about in the past, but you opted elsewhere. Babson, you said you wouldn't trade it, so I'm happy to hear that. But now you have the chance to do that. So what steps are you taking to prepare for this jump, and what have you heard from teammates, or what have you seen at practice in order to help you get into that mindset of, okay, I'm a Division One pitcher now, I need to be ready? Yeah, honestly, I think my whole life I've kind of been preparing for this. Um, I think that, you know, at Babson and during the summer, I was able to, you know, see Division One baseball players, D2 baseball players, and be able to, you know, learn from them. So the D1 baseball players that I played in, with in the summer, um, you know, the competition was a little higher, but I realized that baseball is baseball. Um, you're still – thrown to the same strike zone, hitters are still going to have trouble doing it, uh, hitting it. So I, I don't think I'm really going to change anything baseball-wise. It's just going to be you're facing a little bit better competition. you got to execute, and the pitches that you leave up are going to get hit a little bit harder than maybe at D3. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's what I can think of right now. Yeah, no, I, um... I'm very, very excited to uh, see what this season looks like for you. I am predicting uh, success for you. That's natural. I mean, I'm one of your biggest fans as far as that goes. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to have to see a weekend where maybe you are pitching out of the bullpen for Sebastian and get the chance to see that because I got to see him <laughs> pitch this summer, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, that's, so, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You did see Seb. Yeah. Yep. The bunch this summer, so I'll be excited to uh, to head over to Northeastern for a couple of games when I know Sebastian's pitching and you have a chance to pitch. So I'm looking forward to that. And again, I thank you for coming on, and I wish you nothing but the best in Northeastern. And you've got a fan of me, that's for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. And uh, no problem. Anytime you want to talk, just let me know, and I'll uh, I'll hop on a call. All right. Sounds good, brother. Thanks again. All right. See you, brother.
Jordy is a dog on and off the field, and it's always such a great time talking baseball with him. I can't wait to see what Jordy accomplishes at Northeastern and beyond, and as I told him, he definitely always has a fan in me. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of Inside the Park, and until next time, I'm Jonathan Liskoff.